0: Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Phoenix, Arizona, it's time for Phoenix Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Welcome to Arizona Good Business Radio, featuring leaders in the Arizona business community, Working to build a lasting impact throughout our state through doing good business. I'm your host, Thomas Barr, Vice President of Business Development at Local First Arizona. We are a statewide organization advocating for and celebrating locally owned businesses. And we're the largest local business coalition in North America, providing resources to over 3,000 small businesses and raising awareness of the benefits of building a strong local economy. Today, I am joined by the president and CEO of Gateway Bank in Mesa, James Christensen. James, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much.
0: So, James, I've known you for several years now, and for the time that I've known you, I have always just thought of you as my personal Rolodex of what's going on in the banking industry. (laughs) Not only the people, but the stats, the data, the figures, the, the status of local banking in Arizona so would love to hear an update what is happening with local banking in arizona right now there's a lot of
1: moving parts right now we had you know we opened up in 2007 and we're the very last bank to open until 2022 and now we've had three banks open up here in arizona right this year which is great so we just had first scottsdale community bank then gainey bank then integro bank so it's good to see that that market's growing we have lost a few Right In Arizona, Metro Phoenix just sold to Alaris and then Horizon Bank just sold uh, to one of the local credit unions. So there's there's been a lot of movement. You know, we, when we opened, we had 58 banks in the state mm. in 07. We got down to about 12 or 13. Now after all of this, we're at 15. So... Not too many left in the state, but I, I do think the, the folks that are here and the new banks that opened are, are going to do a really good job servicing Arizona. So,
0: I actually didn't know that. So, 2007, there were 58 local banks in Arizona? There were
1: 58 Arizona chartered banks in wow. 07.
0: Wow, and so I imagine financial crisis and the Great Recession kind of you changed know, things. Then
1: it was about it was pretty evenly split. There was about a third of the banks failed, about a third of them sold, and another third rolled back up into a parent in an out of state holding company.
0: Okay, and then so where does Gateway fall into all of that? When did you start and. In- how long has Gateway been opened We
1: opened up December 3rd of 07 because we thought it would be perfect to open up at the very <laughs> beginning of the recession uh, so we could enjoy 2008, 2009, and probably the first half of 10.
0: Was that a difficult few years of starting? I can only imagine. You know,
1: it was a little bit scary. I had, you know, I've been in banking since the mid 80s, and I had never seen the market just basically stop. I mean we saw that with covid for a short period of time, but really in 8, 9 and 10 it just it it, it was really a, a, an excellent study on fear. Mm. And you know folks that there were obviously people that lost their businesses, lost their jobs, but still the majority of people didn't, but everybody acted like they were going to. Mm-hmm. And it just it was it was a really scary time. I'm hoping that's a, a I guess that would have been the worst since the depression. Hope once in my lifetime is plenty.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So you've made it this far is I guess about 15 years mm-hmm. or so. You um, and persevering through. How is Gateway Bank doing today? And what's what's the status of of the bank right now?
1: Sure. Yeah, we've seen uh, really good growth over the last. Well, we've, we've grown every year. The last three years has been quite a bit. And I think really it's finally getting the name recognition we are who we say we are, and mm-hmm. people get to know us. We have a lot of long time staff, so we're about two hundred and ten million now, um, better than the zero we started with in mm-hmm. two thousand and seven. <laughs> we just finished a capital raise uh, about a week and a half ago, so what that was intended to do was to allow us to grow up to about three hundred and twenty five million and then uh, which is to happen over the next four or five years, mm-hmm. and then um, and then we've already worked on our next plan to get it to five hundred million. So wow. really, the only you know I've I've talked to the board and the team, and they're like, well, first of all, we didn't think we'd ever be two hundred million. Now we're looking at three. You know, what's it take to get to three, four, five? I'm like, I'm like, what's going to stop us from getting there? I'm like, well, as long as we don't sell it, we're good. Mm-hmm. And I think you know the board and and the team are on board that. Our original mission to serve the community hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. And our impact gets bigger every year. We're able to donate more. We're able to do more. We're able to bring on more types of customers. I get to do a lot of speaking now. I get yeah. to do a lot of podcasts, which is fun. The bank's done very well. We, you know, we're obviously coming up on a time where you know, we're hearing the R word recession a lot. Yeah. We work with our customers. And the community banks do. We don't want to take anything back. We want to, we want to be there as a partner. So I don't really get too concerned especially after living through 8, 9, and 10 and COVID. I'm like, yeah. if we can do that, we can pretty much handle anything. So right. our our thing with our customers is don't lie and don't hide. Other than that, we're good.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, through my lens um, and our lens at Local First, um, especially right as the um, COVID pandemic was hitting, we saw a lot of businesses waking up to what we're talking about all the time, <laughs> which is... Your local banks, your community banks are there for you. Your big, you know, multinational or international global banks are not, you know, and and saw so many businesses become numbers overnight. You know, I had businesses calling me saying, I've been with so-and-so for 18 years and they won't return my calls. And, you know, obviously feeling bad for them, but you know, this is what we've been saying, you know, and they kind of woke up and realized, the multinational, the international global banks are, are not really there for them at all. So what, from your end, have you seen in a shift in, have you seen more businesses coming to you saying, I'm, you know, I'm done with the big banks or are you just naturally seeing more businesses open and they're pursuing a local bank right off the bat? What is kind of the, the industry shift from the small business perspective in from coming into your bank and doing business with you?
1: Yeah, I, I do. You know, the big banks are very generous to us, so they've pushed a lot of folks our direction. But, you know, it, 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 so just to back up a little bit, I came out of the Midwest market where we had the community banks pretty much control the market. The large banks have very little. You know, the good news in Arizona is the three large banks lost another 2% of their market share over the last year, which we're always excited to see. And
0: about almost 10% in 10 years, right? They have. It's, yeah. it's yeah. significant. hmm
1: if your only banking experience in arizona has been with one of the three large banks which since they control the large majority of the market that's highly likely they were your first touch mm-hmm. i think a lot of folks under- believe at that point that okay if b of a wells or chase said no the answer is going to be no wherever i go and mm-hmm. there's a big difference between the national regionals and with the local community banks and i think what they're finding with us is you know we all have our different niches that that we can work in the nice thing is you know, we all know each other, mm-hmm. and and it's funny. People are like, oh, I bet you, you know, don't want to see these new banks opening. We do. Mm-hmm. They're partners with us. We work together. We collaborate together. We go to meetings together, and you know, we're all here to what what's what makes Arizona stronger, and we're all here for the same reason. So yeah. um, we're seeing we have seen quite a quite a few more folks, and really, a lot of it comes through word of mouth that. Hey, I went to Gateway and, you know, I got turned down at one of the large banks. I went there and they listened. They took care of me. Now we're thriving. Mm -hmm. I could probably name a couple dozen stories just over the last eight or nine months that we picked up as clients. Mm And the way we look at it was this is this is a loan anyone should have made. And you you got strong people, strong credit, strong everything. And they just don't always get the opportunity to present themselves at the large banks.
0: Yeah. So I get asked this um, somewhat often, and that is, um, why is the landscape of local banking in Arizona what it is? And I, a couple of times over the last couple of years, um, went to Nebraska to visit my sister-in-law a couple of times. The geek that I am about noticing banks wherever I go, (laughs) you go to Omaha and you see a different bank on every corner. It's, It's pretty crazy. And I was like, Looking around and everyone's like, "Why do you care so much about this?" But <laughs> it was it was astonishing to me because we don't see that here. On on the, every corner here, you see one of the three big ones, right? So why why is it like that there and why is it like that here? I can give you the James Christensen view. Yeah, what I think I want, that's what I want. Yeah, what I think
1: <laughs> is is the case. A couple a couple things. So number one, a lot of the banks that are started in Arizona, and I, I'm not saying this about the three new ones that started, but okay. when we opened and and several others did that and during that oh five oh six zero seven range, you know a lot of them in the initial capital raise were talking about their exit hadn 't even opened yet mm. and it was you know the banks were meant to be flipped like houses and and there was a period of time where you really never had to get to a profitability stage, and the bank could sell for one point seven times book to two point two times mm-hmm. and and it was meant to flip the other The other piece with that is it depends what capital you raise when you open a bank, if you're doing it, if I'm, you know, if you and I and a bunch of friends are investing, you know, we have a common goal. We want to serve the community. We're going to stay independent long-term. If your investors are big capital funds and they're looking for an exit, likelihood is you're not meant to be around long-term. Mm. It's meant to be flipped. And, and so that, that really has, has had a big impact. It's also gotten so expensive you have to raise so much capital in Arizona since you grow so quickly. You know, you have a lot of banks in the Midwest that have been around for a hundred years and they're, you know, hundred million in assets here. You know, you can hit a hundred million in assets in a couple years. Mm. So you're, you're, instead of looking at a five, six, seven, six, seven, $8 million capital raise, you're looking at a minimum of $15 million capital raise, uh, depending on your plans. sometimes 20, 30 million. So it's difficult to raise that amount of money. It's also you know, in today's environment, you have to be willing to lose money for two or three years. So mm-hmm. it's, a tough, it's a tough investment to make into a bank. So I think, there's, I think the barriers to entry are pretty high. And then, again, I think, I think the capital that goes into these new banks really matters. Mm-hmm. And, and I think just having people that want to have, le- have a legacy. When we started the bank, I told them I'd stick around until I'm 55. I'm 58 now. (laughs) And, you know, that keeps getting pushed out further and further because it's really fun what we do. Mm -hmm. I love meeting new clients. I love working with people. I love my team. Everything we do is based on legacy. What's it take to stay independent long term? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'd like to see that happen with, you know, really all the community banks that are left, I think it would have a big impact on the market. We, community banks make a difference. We do business differently. Um, Like I said, we're all a little bit different. We're heavy cash flow lenders. So we do a lot of acquisition lending. I don't have to go knock on it and say, Hey, this is a piece of commercial real estate. I'm like, here's a, here's an asset that has value because of the entity. Mm -hmm. You would think most banks would be cash flow lenders. Quite a few are not. Um, they want positive cash flow, but they aren't really looking at cash flow as a primary source of repayment. And and there are, there are others in the state as well that do that. And I think that is really good for the entrepreneurs to help them acquire, grow um, through those soft assets.
0: Yeah. So from that perspective, um, have you seen any shifts or changes in the needs that small businesses are having post the pandemic? Has it changed at all? Where most
1: of them are right now is you know, a lot of them since the pandemic and some of them have seen some tremendous growth is they're they're looking, how do I scale up? Mm. And sometimes that's going to be marketing dollars they're looking for. Sometimes it's, you know, I'm looking for more inventory to or whatever it is to take it to the next level. I'm looking to make an acquisition. And that's where we're getting quite a few from some of the larger bank that started with the larger banks where maybe an initial loan was kind of in a cookie cutter box. Here's your 50,000 or whatever, but, you know, we're really not built for when you grow because there's not a relationship. Got it. So, we're getting, we're getting those folks to come to us and say, hey, here's where I'm at. I have a, I've already got a proven business plan. I just need to scale it up. And so, for us and many of the other community banks in the state, that's been, that's been a big plus. Got so, we're, we're seeing a lot, uh, a lot of folks in that area. We're also seeing people now that are just nervous with what's going on with interest rates. Mm-hmm. And really, it's just more calming their nerves. So, you know, I would say sometimes I'm a cheerleader. Sometimes I'm that grandpa that just calms you down. <laughs> um, so it's a little bit, of, little bit of everything in between. But I think it's just people knowing, hey, is the bank going to be in my corner? Mm-hmm. And, and with the community bank, there's a 99.9% chance the answer is yes. And not that the large banks want you to fail. They just don't have, you know, you, you don't you don't build up that relationship. I know my clients. I've worked yeah. with a lot of them for now for, you know, our initial clients for 15 years. So yeah. I know them. I know their families. And, you know, I know what kind of people they are. And it's just like, hey, here's my, here's my issue. Help me get from point A to point B. And it's usually pretty easy to do that.
0: Yeah. I remember a story um, I heard from one of our members at Local First. And they bank with another community bank in town, not Gateway, but... Um, they were turned down by a few of the big banks for loans to expand their business. And they're now at 10 locations now, and they got turned down when they wanted a second location. And so it was one of those things where if they didn't actually switch to community bank, they would have never grown and hired all these people, but pandemic hit. And I remember talking to him on the phone and he had just had a baby. Like this was like an April 2nd, 2020 child, (laughs) the vice president of, I think it was commerce bank of Arizona was bringing him checks to his home <laughs> so that he could sign them for his staff and get payroll made or, or whatever they need to get taken care of. And it's just a primary example of knowing the situations that your clients are in or your businesses are in being able to take care of them.
1: So yeah, what what a lot of the customers would consider as above and beyond for the community banks is just what we do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, to, you know, and, and when you mentioned that, we have one of our clients we picked up about a year ago, and they've gone from one to three locations. And started out with a larger bank. We've obviously taken that out and, and worked with them on, you know, more favorable terms, everything across the board. But the business is thriving. They're really fun to work with. It's just that deep level of relationship. I always tell everybody relationship banking is great, but it, you know, it's a little bit exhausting sometimes because mm-hmm. you're so invested, mm-hmm. you know, it's everything's personal, Yeah, but I wouldn't do it any different.
0: Right. We hear all the time from um, Local First Perspective um, businesses looking to get ready for funding. And, you know, we help coach train, as you know, a lot of entrepreneurs um, in a variety of industries. And a lot of them will arrive at our doorstep and say, I want I want to apply for a loan. Um, and we try to help get them ready, right? What would your advice be for um, small businesses out there who are either starting or in the phase of getting ready to apply for a loan or for funding from a bank? And if they arrived at your doorstep, what? what would you be looking for or what can they be thinking about to get prepared for that?
1: You know, honestly, and, and I'm a big proponent of folks coming into the bank, even early onset, mm. long before they're ready for the loan. Here's who I am. Here's what I'm doing. Here's what I think I'm going to need. And, you know, what kind of tools can the bank help me to get from point A to point B? And what do I need mm. to get there? And usually, you know, we can, we can guide the folks to, there's only a couple of forms we have that aren't, what you typically would fill out—the personal financial statement, the commercial loan application—which we can walk you through—are mm-hmm. are both fairly easy forms. Once you know, once you sit and walk through it once, it's not tough to do a second time. But really, getting to getting to have starting that relationship. So you may be, you know, you may be a month away from funding or a year away from funding, but just starting to build that relationship. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, and then we can say, hey, here's what we need. We need you to start, you know, compiling your personal and your corporate tax returns not a big elaborate business plan, but just in general, give us a little bit of information on the company, a little bit on the competition. And then we can, you know, there's after a career of 36 years or so, you've pretty much seen every kind of business, every kind of industry. And then we can ask questions. It's Mm -hmm. like, well, have you thought about this? You know, when this happens, what, how does that impact your business? So it's really starting to just put the seeds in for that relationship. Mm -hmm. And then we can guide folks through what's needed on our website. You know, we're really transparent. We have the documentation checklist and forms all on our website that make it really easy. But even then, it's intimidating when you look at it and you're like, oh, my goodness, there's so much stuff to put together. And then we start talking through it. They're like, okay, I can do this and this. Okay, it's not that bad. But really, you know, that's where we can play as big of a role as you want us to. I mean, literally can sit down and do those forms with you or just walk you through it on the phone or whatever's easiest.
0: I was wondering about that. So, um, I know you're located in Mesa and you have your one location, but um, you serve businesses all over. Has the shift in how things are done remotely or virtually opened up more doors to working with more businesses that might not be, you know, a couple miles away from the branch? Has that changed at all? It's kind of always been part of our plan. Mm-hmm. So
1: our, our customer base is really, well, we cover all of Arizona. Most of our businesses in Maricopa County and then Pinal County, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, so you know, being on, I would say that the change since COVID is way more Zoom calls, mm-hmm. um, and it's a good way to stay in touch with people, especially when you couldn't see face to face. But really, the you know, some of the changes we've made over the, over the last two years is, you know, finally, you know, it, it took us a little while to come to the game on DocuSign. So, <laughs> making it a little bit easier there on the loan and deposit side to sign docs. But still, we want to have that personal touch. Yeah. So, whether you're, you know, I'm just trying to think places throughout the state, Flagstaff, Kingman, you know, here in Arizona, anywhere wow. in Arizona you know, we're going we're gonna to come see you. If it's a new client, we, haven't, we won't fund a new loan if we haven't met you. Oh, wow. So, you know, our lenders travel all over. Usually if we have some folks up in the White Mountains, we'll, we'll have them do two or three while they're up there and meet with multiple clients. Cool. It's just a little bit of a drive. Yeah. Uh, but really, we want to see the property. We want to, you know, see the company, talk to the people, greet, you know, shake hands. And then, you know, honestly, from there, you can do most everything else online, but there's still going to be that personal touch.
0: Cool. I love that. Well, interested to hear a couple of the questions, but interested to hear your perspective on where things are going and how things are developing and shifting from this in the small business community and in in the local economy in, in years to come. We've seen this shift in deposits, more deposits going to local banks. We've seen federal resources being deployed for businesses through the pandemic. What do you see as things continue moving forward that is positive or maybe might be a challenge for small businesses in the future. I know recession's is a scary word. Um, we keep encouraging businesses to just keep your eye on the, on the numbers, not the, the, the you know, scary words and things like that. But what do you see developing in, in the coming years as we come out of, of the pandemic fully here?
1: Well, that could Big be a whole question. lot of areas we go there. <laughs> so, you know, one of the things we've really concentrated on over the last couple of years is, you know, we, you know my, and it kind of, it's 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 interesting how many things tie back to DEI, mm-hmm. and we've you know our staff now looks like Arizona, mm. and so I have you know I have folks from different parts of the world. I have you know we're we're a little bit heavy on a few more females on the staff than males, so it's not like my home where I'm like the only male in the household, <laughs> but then you know I have. Somebody from Bahrain on the team. I have, you know, I have Black employees, Asian employee and, and um, Hispanic employees. What I've seen over the last two, two and a half years is there's a lot of people that don't think they have access mm-hmm. to lending, mm-hmm. period. You know, instead of, it's not like I can just throw an ad out there and say, hey, we're we're open to work with you, come see me and the floodgates open. Right. That'd be awesome if it happened. But it's more of of you know, we've spent a lot of time over the last two, two and a half years building trust in communities, having had some of these folks on staff for quite a while now that, that have opened doors in communities. And we've worked with enough people that they're like, hey, they actually, you know, I, we had one of, the, one of the folks that I sat in on, on another podcast and they're like, is that what James is is that what James is really like? And she's like, he really is. And she's like, that can't be. And, and, you know, we've, now we've worked together for about a year and a half. And, and, and just from her, I can't, I can't even count how many referrals have come from her, but just all these different communities that, that, I think, have had historically difficulty getting financing. Mm -hmm. It's been really rewarding to work with those companies. And it's not like we have to bend our lending standards. It's just access to the community and us spending time with folks. There's so many entrepreneurs. And some of these companies, you know, do get launched. They do get started, but they don't grow too quickly. Mm -hmm. And then we're like, well, wait a minute. I do have access to financing. And then we do that. And I'm just thinking, you know, there's a couple that, that... We're working on right now. One of them's uh, one of them's on a food truck, and they're just a blast to work with. Mm -hmm. But have built up an incredible following, but needed some things to take it to the next level. And it's like, oh, we we can do that. Yeah. And uh, so it's really, I think for us, it's been it's been reaching out into different communities that I wouldn't say that we've never targeted because we kind of looked at it as a big target when we shoot. But but I think there's a lot of you know you have to make some inroads into a community for people to believe who you are Mm -hmm. and to know that you're there to help them you're not there to you know i'm not there just to make a lot of money off a particular community i'm like hey what what access can i give you you didn't think you had
0: yeah yeah it's refreshing to hear how much i know you think about this and you invest the time into it i um few years ago heard about a study that a university had done where they had sent a white business owner, a Hispanic business owner, and a black business owner into a multitude of larger banks to apply for a loan. It was just an experiment. They weren't actually business owners, they were just individuals. And they were studying how they were treated, how long they were there, what was said to them when they went into the banks. The black and Hispanic business owners were spent the least amount of time with, were many times not even given eye contact were not given a hand to shake when they walked in and, and were almost like they were rushed out. And so these ways that the banks, even if they're not physically redlining communities anymore, they are treating diverse communities. It's why we need more banks like yours, I believe. The
1: bias, whether you think it's there or not, typically is. I mean, mm-hmm. if I had, if everybody at the bank looked and talked like me and came from the same place, not that we're bad people, that's just, we look through that lens. And to have folks from all these different communities looking at it from a different aspect, even from different cultures, say, hey, in my culture, this is great. In the American culture, this is terrible. Yeah. And really, you know, it's been a learning, learning experience for us too, a big learning experience. But it, you know, it, it's really trying to get to that point where you have, you know, and you, I think you know, a lot of the community banks try to do it. It's like, I want everybody that walks in the door to get the same experience. Mm. And that we've tried to do that since we opened. I wouldn't say we're perfect. I don't think anybody's perfect at it. But I, it's very, very intentional. Mm. And I, you know, I think one where, you know, we we, continued, we we continue to try to improve that side to make the experience even better. But there's more room to go. I've I've spent time with my board now on DEI quite a bit. Mm. The team gets it. My board gets it, but it's, just, it, it's not as diverse as my team. So mm. we're, we've worked on that over the last two years. It's getting there. Yeah. And, and it really is, you know, you, you get to the point on DEI and you can, even, you can even make DEI a dollars and cents issue. I mean, when you get it right and it's part of your culture, it's not something like, okay, James told me I had to do this. It's mm-hmm. just part of your DNA. It's part of who you are. It, it's, those banks are significantly more successful. The boards that are diverse... The banks, on average, make about thirty five percent more wow, so it, wow. it it's not only the right thing to do, it makes dollars and cents issues too
0: absolutely, absolutely. well, thank you, James, for your time today, and thank you for everything you're doing in the community. Any last words or anything to leave our our listeners with you know honestly, I think
1: just words of comfort for for the recession and and just you know spend time spend time with your banker and and you know, let them know what's going on. And if there's some issues, work with them. Take a deep breath. It's going to be okay. And, you know, we always look at the worst times, but things always get better too. Yeah. So it's just really getting through those tough times. Whether, you know, whether we have them as difficult in Arizona, I, I'd i I'd be seriously surprised if it was like eight, nine, and 10. I think it's going to be much less. Our economy is much stronger. Um, so it's going to be okay. Just stay in touch and, and we're there
0: to help. Love it. Well, thank you, James. Thanks for being here today. We hope you listening were inspired hearing from a leader working to leave a legacy in Arizona through doing good business. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Phoenix Business Radio X, for hosting us and all of our legacy partners at Local First, including Gateway Bank. This is Thomas Barr from Local First Arizona, reminding you that if we want to build a better state, we need to connect deeply with the local businesses that make us proud to call this place our home.